Jai Radha Madhava Kunjabihari Jai Radha Madhava Kunjabihari Pijanavala Bhagirevadadari Jai Gopijanavala Bhagirevadadari Shodanandana Brajajanaranjana Shodanandana Brajajanaranjana Shodanandana Brajajanaranjana Jamuna Tira Vanatari Jamuna Tira Vanatari Jai Radha Madhava Kunjabihari Jai Radha Madhava Kunjabihari Pakopi Janavala Bhagiri Vadadari Gopi Janavala Bhagiri Vadadari Ayashodanandana Brajajanaranjana Ayashodanandana Brajajanaranjana Ego pijanavala bagiri vadadare Ego pijanavala bagiri vadadare 
Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Thank you all for coming and spending your precious time to be in the temple. We are honored to be in your association. It's actually the greatest blessing to be in the company of spiritually advanced people. So anybody that comes into the temple room has that state of mind, has that determination to elevate themselves for the most part. So I was thinking we'll speak a little bit. The theme will be uh, Thanksgiving since on Thursday it will be Thanksgiving. So the, the theme will be, in case I get sidetracked, you, you all can remind me, okay? But the theme will be Thanksgiving. What does it mean to be thankful and grateful? So that's the uh, the idea. You can also contemplate it within yourself. We can have an interactive um, class at the same time. So, I'll read a verse from the Bhagavad Gita to get momentum on the theme. Also, I'd like to ask, is anybody here for the uh, first time? Oh, welcome. Thank you for coming. 
brought books for my house. Can you leave your hands up? I have a, a present for you, actually. I got the, I brought books from my house. <clears throat> Atike, can you pass out the books to the first time? It's This book is called The Journey of Self-Discovery, and it's a present for for coming. Well, I think if there's these two men, everybody will raise their hand, and I have some here, too. Well, you can take all of them. I think there are like five or six. So we'll read a verse from the ninth chapter. So we'll read a verse from the ninth chapter. I'll read the Sanskrit and then the English. Acham pushpam. I'll read the Sanskrit and then the English. Acham pushpam falam toyam yo me bhakta prayachati tadaham bhakta apakritam ashnami prayatatmanaha. So, first of all, the the Bhagavad Gita means the song of God. And here Krishna is giving very detailed spiritual knowledge about the soul, about God, about karma, about time, about nature, and all the different interrelations. Basically covering everything, right? Karma is a very big topic. Time, God, the soul, all these things very intricate, detailed sciences. So, the Bhagavad Gita can be read throughout one's whole life, actually for many lifetimes for that matter. But in this verse, I thought it kind of honed in on the theme of thanksgiving. So the translation is, if one offers me, offers me with love and devotion a leaf, a flower, fruit, or water, I will accept it. For the intelligent person, it is essential to be in Krishna consciousness. For the intelligent person, it is essential to be in Krishna consciousness, engaged in the transcendental loving service of the Lord, in order to achieve a permanent blissful abode for eternal happiness. The process of achieving such a marvelous result is very easy and can be attempted even by the poorest of the poor, without any kind of qualification. The only qualification required in this connection is to be a pure devotee of the Lord. It does not matter what one is or where one is situated. The process is so easy that it is so easy that even a leaf or a little water or fruit can be offered to the Supreme Lord in genuine love, and the Lord will be pleased to accept it. No one therefore can be barred from Krishna consciousness because it is so easy and universal. Who is such a fool that he does not want to be Krishna conscious by this simple method and thus attain the highest perfectional life of eternity, bliss, and knowledge? Krishna wants only loving service and nothing more. Exactly. Krishna wants only loving service and nothing more. Krishna accepts even a little flower from his pure devotee. He does not want any kind of offering from a non-devotee. 
He is not in need of anything from anyone because he is self-sufficient. And yet he accepts the offering of his devotee in an exchange of love and affection. To develop Krishna consciousness is the highest perfection of life. Bhakti is mentioned twice in this verse in order to declare more emphatically that bhakti or devotional service is the only means to approach Krishna, no other condition, such as becoming a brahmana, a learned scholar, a very rich man or a great philosopher. None of these can induce Krishna to accept some offering. Without the basic principle of bhakti, or love and devotion, nothing can induce the Lord to agree to accept anything from anyone. Bhakti is never causal. The process is eternal. It is direct action in service to the absolute whole. Here, Lord Krishna, having established that he is the only enjoyer, the primeval Lord and the real object of all sacrificial offerings, reveals what types of sacrifices he desires to be offered. If one wishes to engage in devotional service to the Supreme, in order to be purified and to reach the goal of life, the transcendental loving service of God, this is the goal of life right here, it's in a nutshell, right? The transcendental loving service of God, then one should find out what the Lord desires for him, of him, one who loves Krishna will give him whatever he wants, and he avoids offering anything which is undesirable or unasked. Thus meat, fish, and eggs should not be offered to Krishna. If he desired such things as offerings, he would have said so. Instead, he clearly requests that a leaf, fruit, flowers, and water be given to him. And he says of this offering, I will accept it. Therefore, we should understand that he will not accept meat, fish, and eggs. Vegetables, grains, fruit, milk, and water are the proper foods for human beings and are prescribed by Lord Krishna himself. Whatever else we eat cannot be offered to him since he will not accept it. Thus, we cannot be acting on the level of loving devotion if we offer such foods. In the third chapter, verse 13, Sri Krishna explains that only the remains of sacrifice are purified and fit for consumption by those who are seeking advancement in life and realize and release from the clutches of the material entanglement. Those who do not make an offering of their food, he says, in the same verse, are eating only sin. In other words, their every mouthful is simply deepening their involvement in the complexities of material nature. But preparing nice, simple vegetable dishes, offering them before the picture or deity of Lord Krishna and bowing down and praying for him to accept such a humble offering enables one to advance steadily in life, to purify the body and to create fine brain tissues which will lead to clear thinking. Above all, the offering should be made with an attitude of love. Krishna has no need for food since he already possesses everything that be. Yet he will accept the offering of one who desires to please him in that way. The important element in, prepare, in preparation, in serving, and in offering is to act with love for Krishna. The impersonalist philosophers who wish to maintain that the absolute truth is without senses cannot comprehend this verse of Bhagavad Gita. To them it is either a metaphor or proof of the mundane character of Krishna. 
the speaker of Bhagavad Gita. But in actuality, Krishna, the Supreme Godhead, has senses, and it is stated that his senses are interchangeable. In other words, one sense can perform the function of any other. This is what it means to say that Krishna is absolute. Lacking senses, he could hardly be considered full in all opulences. In the seventh chapter, Krishna has explained that he impregnates the living entities into material nature. This is done by his looking upon material nature. And so, in this instance, Krishna's hearing the devotee's words of love in offering foodstuff is wholly identical with his eating and actually tasting. This point should be emphasized. Because of, absolute, because of his absolute position, his hearing is wholly identical with his eating and tasting. Only the devotee who accepts Krishna as he describes himself without interpretation can understand that the supreme absolute truth can eat food and enjoy it. Om Tatsat Om Timirandasya Gyananjana Shalakaya Chakshurun Militam Jena Tasmai Shri Gurave Namaha so there's a lot in that purport to unpack, but hopefully we all took something home. So the last part of the purport, Prabhupada says that only the devotee who accepts Krishna as he describes himself without interpretation can understand that the Supreme Absolute Truth can eat food and enjoy it. So if we were to try to speculate on what is God and what is the absolute truth. How many of us would come to the point of thinking that God is the supreme personality of Godhead? Most of us wouldn't. Most of us may come, may think, like a lot of times you hear people say, well, you know, the universe, they, they, they denote the great, the divine with the, with the material universe because it's so massive and powerful. So they say the universe, but then they, they, they connotate the universe with conscious uh, volition, right? A lot of times you hear people say, the universe gave me this blessing. So they're, in one sense, they're alluding that there's a conscious, powerful, presence beyond material energy, but they don't want to fully, or they can't, or we can't, unless it's revealed, understand the true personal nature of the supreme personality of God. Just like in the purport, Prabhupada is, is saying that, that Krishna has senses, but Krishna's senses are absolute and interchangeable. Right? We have no, on the material plane, we have no understanding of what that means. And what is the example that Krishna gives, or that Prabhupada gives? With Krishna's glance, what does he do? Anybody? Anybody give to the younger people. Anybody? Anybody want to say? What is Krishna, what was the example that Krishna, that Prabhupada gives that Krishna can do with his glance? You can raise your hand. Yeah, thank you. 
Yeah, thank you. Yeah, Krishna can impregnate the living entities in the material nature with his glance. And then Prabhupada makes the example that also with a glance, Krishna can eat the food. So for us, that's not conceivable in a sense, right? So the idea is that Krishna has senses that the supreme spiritual being, the cause of all material and spiritual energies, has spiritual senses that act in ways that are not bound by material laws because Krishna is the cause of those laws, right, or whatever they may be. You know, the material energy has you know, certain laws and they're running by Krishna's desire and Krishna is transcendental, is beyond those those laws. So his seeing, his form, his tasting, his enjoying, his pleasure is not affected by the laws of duality or the laws of the material energy. His enjoyment is transcendental, it's beyond, spiritual. And our enjoyment, ultimately our highest, every soul, every person, every person here is also a sentient being, right? When we boil it down, we all want, what's what's the bottom line? We all want to enjoy. And we want to enjoy happiness that doesn't stop. Why is that? Because on the material plane, the body has limitations. The senses on the material level have limitations. So why is it that some material tabernacle, as Prabhupada likes to have that word, material body that's limited can want unlimited pleasure? Usually to desire something, it's because it exists. They're in some form. And the idea that I'm getting to is that the soul by nature, the person by nature, is also spiritual. That consciousness is a symptom of the soul. And that we have also spiritual senses. And it's explained that just like a glove, you know, they make a glove to fit the form of the hand. So the form of the body is meant to fit the form, in a sense, of the soul which materially we can't see. But on the spiritual plane, the sentient being, the conscious living entity, which is life, which every everything that has life has the presence of that spiritual identity, individuality, and sentient conscious existence. And its pleasure is in exchanging love. It's like, you know, <laughs> that simple, just like, but it, love is very uh, unlimited. You know, there's there's many levels. Let's say, on on one level, it could just be the affection in a family, right? To one that's satisfying on, on a certain level, but then there's still the longing of the of the person that they want more. Why is that? Because intrinsically, the soul wants love that is spiritual. And when it's bound by material relationships or bound by material consciousness, 
then it's not fully satisfying because the soul intrinsically is made out of sat ananda eternity, knowledge and bliss and it longs for that bliss or that love, that pleasure that is reciprocated in an unlimited way the reciprocation increases and increases and that is there between the soul and the super soul or the individual and the supreme individual, God or Krishna. And this is a natural relationship that is meant to be um, nourished and focused on. Just like anybody, I mean, everybody in here, we all have different relationships. And it takes work, isn't it, to uh, get to that... <laughs> Loving reciprocation, right? Or is it just me? <laughs> it takes a lot of uh, blood, sweat, and tears, so to speak. It takes a lot to... And some people give it up because it's so hard. Some people think, okay. And even on this... On, and they project it onto the spiritual plane. They think, okay, I don't want to be a person. I don't want to exist. I want to be nothing. I just want to merge because of... <laughs> Because of, uh, let's say, uh, heartbreak, you know, because of their attempts in trying to be happy in material relationships and getting frustrated so they think, okay, better I just be nothing. You know, be a, you know, so that's a misconception. It's like saying, you know, the, the false, the, what's the, the grapes are sour technique, you know. I mean, the, the the wolf was trying to jump and catch grapes, but it couldn't reach it. So then the wolf just said, oh, they're sour. Anyways. So that's what that is. So to, to experience pleasure, you have to be somebody. Right? Pretty common sense. And who we are is not just the bag of bones or the chemicals or the... You know the the material energy, and its different intricate and amazing complexities. No, ultimately the conscious self is the one experiencing. So you can say mind over matter, right? They say that. And that's why you know in so many different ways we're experiencing that our pleasure doesn't come from just uh, the material surroundings because intrinsically we're not matter. We're spiritual. And that's like ABCs. That's the first lesson of Bhagavad Gita and first lesson of spiritual life. Atato Brahma Jigyasa. Right? Now is the time to inquire into spirit. Who am I? And what is my relationship with God, with nature? So, I just as this is all the build up for, for how to express gratitude and and appreciation. Because those are also personal qualities, right? If in the ultimate issue, like many materialistic scientist theories, try to put claim that it's all just uh, the whole material cosmic creation, all of life has come about by chance, by chemical combination, by a big bang or whatnot. So then what does that boil the, boil the whole human existence down to? Just chemicals reacting in a certain way. Then what is the what is the value of gratitude 
or or to be thankful or, or these qualities. No, these these are personal. They're beyond chemical reactions in one sense. You know. Some materialistic scientific explanation they may try to get sophisticated and try to explain the different qualities and ethics and values of the human nature as chemical reactions, sophisticated chemical reactions. But as spiritualists, we disagree. And we say that that's actually malicious attempts to try to deny God and deny the soul, and it'll create havoc in the world. And it is, if you look into it deeper. So this cultivation of the human spirit to understand who we are beyond just the body, beyond our cultural, you know, practices of where we may have been grown, where we have grown up or whatnot, and even beyond religious ritualistic practices, but to know and ultimately act on the nature of the self is the process of self-realization and is the process of devotional service. Devotional service is the nature of the soul, just like that word devotion. Devotional service is the practical expression of being grateful, of being thankful. When you naturally want, okay, let me do something out of reciprocation, right? It's just to make a simple example, it's like, let's say a little child, a little child at a certain stage, they may be fed by their parents. And then when they grow up to a certain stage, they'll start to feed themselves. And then at a certain stage, they'll, they'll take the food and try to feed the parent, right? So the parent bought the food, cooked the food, and then gave it to the child and everything like that. And then when the child goes and in its innocent little way of reciprocating affection, gratitude, thankfulness, tries to give it back to the mother or the father, the mother or the father is touched. Right? It's like, oh, like they may even shed a tear, you know, that my baby <laughs> tried to give me some food. So this is what is being explained here, the verse that I read. If one offers me with love and devotion... So God is saying, you know, God who unlimited universes are emanating from the pores of his skin. He's creating and destroying all material and spiritual energies. He's omnipotent, omnipresent, omniscient. The cause of all causes is conquered and overwhelmed by pure loving devotion. (laughs) We were just singing this uh, Dhammadarastakam. And so this is the real secret of the soul, so to speak. The secret of spiritual life is how to hone in on reciprocating with the supreme in love and devotion and affection. And the chanting of Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. This is the call. This is like this. This is the. Okay, Kartikeya Prabhu said SOS. Okay, Kartikeya Prabhu said SOS. Yeah, help. That's one way to look at it, and it's also it's a way to say thank you. You know, one time they asked. I mean, they asked Prabhupada many times. 
what is the translation of this maha mantra? And he answered in different ways. But one time he said, the chanting of Hare Krishna means you're saying, Oh my friend, oh my friend, oh my friend. So this is what devotional service is, is to look within ourselves and see where are all my blessings coming from. Where, and it's a good thing to do. Like Thanksgiving is coming up on Thursday. It's good to stop. Even you could even write it down. You know, okay, what are my blessings in my life right now? What have they been? How have I been led to this point? How many things have I been taking for granted? Because yeah, if we're not counting our blessings at every moment, then we're bound to be finding fault with you know with God himself, with the Creator, with with nature, with others, with, you know. But if we are grateful, a grateful heart is, is heaven. It's explained to have gratitude. My teacher once said, don't try to be great. Try to be grateful. <laughs> so it's like a trick thing because it's, it's very, that is the greatest thing to be grateful, to show appreciation for anything that somebody's done to you, to breathe. To have food, to have air, to have sun, all these different things that are way beyond us, that our heart is beating, that are, you know, that we have the opportunity to have loving community, have this temple, have this restaurant, have these devotees, exalted friends, have this opportunity to elevate our consciousness. So many uh, gifts from God that we can reciprocate with. And that is eternal, actually. The soul is always thinking, how can I give back in love and in appreciation for what I've been given by the Supreme, by the Divine? And they, they do with their words. What do we have at our facility? We have our thoughts, our words, and our activities. So devotional service, bhakti yoga, is the art of refining and uh, purifying the offerings, giving more of ourselves, and reciprocating more in gratitude with Krishna and with all of Krishna's um, children, all of you, all of us. How we relate to each other is a big part of how we're wanting to show our appreciation to to Krishna, like the, the English saying, love me, love my dog. I mean, that's maybe, <laughs> doesn't sound very nice, but it's like, so to show love for Krishna is also how we treat each other. The, there's one verse in the Srimad Bhagavatam, one of the main books, where it says that, Krishna says that the devotee is in my heart. Krishna says that the devotee is in my heart and I am in the heart of my devotee. I don't know anyone else but my devotee and my devotee doesn't know anyone else but me. So this is like a, a love <laughs> a poem by God saying where is his heart? The heart is the central part of, ex- of life right? for all of us. What do we hold dear in our hearts? You know, well, God is revealing what is 
the dearmost thing in his heart, Krishna is saying, the devotee like we're worshiping Krishna, is my worshipable deity. Just like we're worshiping Krishna. And what a, what a beautiful altar, right? And you know this word, Nayanotsava? Who knows the meaning of Nayanotsava? Utsava is a festival. It's a festival for the eyes to see Radha Kalachanji in their beautiful outfits and garlands and smiling lotus faces. It's a festival for the eyes, right? We all want sense pleasure. And the spiritual sense pleasure is the highest, to see the form of Krishna, to taste the, form, <laughs> to taste the prasad of Krishna to smell the incense and the flowers offered to Krishna, to hear the holy names and the kirtan and the music offered with love and devotion to Krishna. All these things revive the soul's original, dormant, loving propensity. It's, uh, another verse says, Krishna prema nitya siddha sadhu kabunoi shravanadi shudha chitte ke uro odoi that Krishna prema, that pure love for for God, for Krishna, is nitya siddha. It's eternally situated in the heart of every living entity. And by shravanam, by hearing, by hearing the holy names, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. By hearing the holy names, by hearing the Bhagavad Gita, by hearing the philosophy, of the soul and the relationship with Krishna, then it's revived. It's not something to be gained from an outside source. It's, it's the original, intrinsic energy of every living entity of the soul. It's just that we've, to different degrees, forgotten. And so here is a way to get back our original blissful consciousness. Offer something to Krishna with love and devotion. Even a leaf. Just like that example when the child offers to Krishna. So when some when the when the soul says here, Krishna, thank you and offers a flower or offers their food or even just says thank you. Even you know then that attitude it melts Krishna and Krishna becomes more inclined to reciprocate with us, which is what we're hankering for. We're hankering for loving relationships with perfect beings, right? We don't want, you know, um, that love to be hampered in any way. And that is there because intrinsically every soul has that relationship with the Supreme Soul. And that just has to be reawakened and the devotee association, we're here to inspire each other to revive our original Krishna consciousness. So thank you for your precious time. That was just a little rambling about being thankful on the moment, on the way to uh, Thanksgiving. If there's any questions or reflections, or please... Feel free. Go ahead, Kartikeya. So, um, you know, this, um, this method of um, 
devotional service. It, uh, <coughs> um, and to be constantly engaged in serving Krishna and developing that love, it seems like uh, it may be easier for somebody that's like a monk that lives in this community and he's doing, they're doing service in the altar and they're doing Tulsi Puja and they're doing things. But a lot of us, a lot of us out here, you know, we work for a living and uh, and so we had to go to work and we had to get up early and we had to do that. So uh, can we uh, make any advancement being so entangled uh, in in the maintenance of our families and whatever else bills we had to pay and things like this. So what what should we do? Uh, are we limited by that, or what can we do to um, think of Krishna and to offer service to Him? Which ways will that be? Yeah, one verse comes to mind that. Krishna says, Yeyatamam prapajante tams tataiva bajamyaham, mama manu vartante manusha partha sarvashaha. I think that's how it goes. That as those approach me, I reciprocate with them accordingly. So it's just like at any moment. We have the, the amazing thing about free will in our consciousness is that every moment we have the opportunity where we're going to put it, right? And the more we're acquainted with, with spiritual options, the more we read the Bhagavad Gita or hear from advanced souls, then our spiritual options widen. So a big crucial part of widening the options of our experience of life is to hear from advanced souls, sadhu sangha. So when we hear from the sadhus, it's like there's an example, that, like a person may be riding on a bicycle and they can muster up a certain amount of speed according to their own strength. But if they hold on to a truck, they're going the speed of the truck. So sadhu sangha, association with very advanced souls, those that have realized more deeply these truths, brings us up to speed. You know, and it's it's the one of the important features of spiritual life is to seek out the association of advanced souls. I know now a lot of people weren't able to because of COVID, at least in a, you know, the temple just started these functions again. But nowadays through Zoom conferences and internet classes and all that, so much is virtual, so much is uh, open for people to get that experience. And then like it says, it's just up to every individual how much they want to to give of their mind. Ultimately, yeah, Krishna is saying here, if you give me a leaf, who can't... So in one sense, the verse I read, who can't give a leaf, but also who can't give their mental space? It's like while we're, while we're working, where where's our mind? 
Our mind can also be, we could be doing the work, we could be doing IT work at the computer in our mind, or even we could be playing a kirtan. We could also be singing as we, you know, you could, we could be thinking. You know, please, Krishna. We could be praying, right? Such a deep opportunity where you put your vritti, your consciousness, and that'll determine where, where, you know, where you are in your next chapter of life, next life, and it'll determine the depth of your spiritual experience. So yeah, if you can't physically be engaged in devotional service, then you mentally engage in devotional service. If you can't mentally engage in devotional service, then start then start somewhere. Want to. You now there's like those there's one saying that you should you should cry for Krishna, right? You should like long for for that. You know, that's the sometimes they say that's the the price or the key to really get a spiritual experience is to really want it. Intense greed, lolium, to really intensely just like you know, we may want so many different things in the material energy, so to the degree that we really want it, to that degree we endeavor for it. So on the spiritual path too, when we really want Krishna and spiritual knowledge, spiritual experiences, then we'll put ourselves in the right places, listen from those advanced souls. Is that all right? Would you like to add anything? What has, what it has helped me uh, um, uh, is uh, um, uh, two things that actually come from the Bhagavad Gita. And one is a verse that says, uh, whatever you do, whatever you eat, whatever you give away. Yeah, that's the is, verse right after the verse I read. Whatever austerities you perform, do as an offering unto me. So it, you know, in in um, learning that verse and meditating on that verse right before I'm gonna eat, right before I'm gonna do something, um, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I remember the verse and that kind of helps me to <clears throat> make a connection with Krishna with what I'm doing. And the other part of the Bhagavad Gita is when Krishna explains, you know, of, um, you know, I'm the moon, I'm the sun, I'm water, I'm the taste of water. So, you know... We yeah, a nice way to see Krishna everywhere. In the water, I'm thinking of that. So, you know, these are small things that uh, today, you know, we are in an office, you know, we get thirsty, we gotta get, get water. It's a good time to make that connection, perhaps. Oh, thank you. Would anybody else like to share some Something that they got from the class, some reflection, or a question, Prabhuji? Here's the mic. Yeah, I had uh, two questions. One is, like you said, uh, offer Krishna uh, leaf, grains, and so forth, like, you know, suitable food, basically. So, um, and I know that Krishna, uh, you know, eats that food, 
And then, one is, if Krishna is eating the food, why is the food still there? <laughs> and the second question I have is, um, the soul you mentioned uh, has a form. Uh, if you have a hand, glove to it, um, the soul can take on many different kinds of material bodies. So yeah. how do you explain that the soul has a form? If uh, Yeah, so those are my two questions. Okay, thank you. So the first question was, if Krishna is accepting the offering and eating it, how come the food is still there? So that is his kindness and his transcendental um, spiritual mysticism. Like it said, that he's eating with his eyes and he can eat with his ears by hearing the prayers because he doesn't need anything. Everything's already his. And in the spiritual world, there's unlimited Lakshmi Devis, goddesses of fortune, who are cooking for Krishna, and his mother's cooking, and his loved ones are cooking unlimitedly. So it's not that he needs the food. So what what is he eating is the essence of the idea of the verse is he's reciprocating the love. And in one sense, he doesn't need it because he's already blissed blissed out eternally, loving, having the, you know, Ras Lila dances and having pure spiritual love, you know, with all of his pure devotees. So we need it. You know, we want it. We need it. The soul is hungry for loving exchanges. And Krishna gives it in the form of prasadam. <laughs> so, yeah, otherwise, you know, what would we eat? But I mean, but there there are pastimes also. You've probably heard where there was one that comes to mind real fast. That one father he was doing the offering to his deity, and he had to go somewhere. So he told his little child, he said, "You offer the um, food to to the deity, and you say the prayer, and then come back and get it." And bring it to your mom, and he'll eat it, you know, in a transcendental way. He didn't tell him exactly what that meant. So he was a little kid. He didn't, you know, understand like philosophy that we're trying to explain. So he put the offering before the deity, and he told Krishna, Krishna, my father told me that you have to eat this. Please eat it. And then. He went away so that Krishna could enjoy the offering and he came back and it was still there and the little boy said, Krishna, I I told you, you have to eat this. My father will get angry and the boy had a stick. He said, you know, if you don't eat this, I'm going to get upset. My father will get upset with me like that. And then the deity spoke to him and the deity said, I eat it by my glance. Just by glancing at it, I eat it. And then the little boy said, I don't know what is this glance philosophy. You just eat it. <laughs> and then the deity ate the sweets and then he brought it to his mom, an empty plate. And his mom was like, where's the the, 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 the offering? And he was like, the deity ate it. And she didn't believe him. She thought that he ate it. And there was a whole sweet exchange there. So that, you know, these things go on. But the main essence of what's going on is that Krishna wants 
for us. And he wants, that's the nature of God, that he is Rasa Raj, Rasa Bihari. He's hungry and anxious for exchanging love and affection with every one of his expansions, all of us, with not just some of us, every one of us he's wanting to exchange. And that is one of the mediums just like in life. It's a natural medium. You love somebody, you cook a meal for them. You serve them what they like, right? You, you find out. So Krishna and the soul have that relationship also. And the second question was what? Oh, right, right. Yeah, that was just, that's an example to... It's not a perfect example, obviously, because as you said, the soul can have many different forms, spiritual forms. But the idea that it it has a form, but its form is not made out of material energy. Yeah. Yeah, and then also eternally, each individual... We all have a certain form, a certain relationship that we have with Krishna and is expressed through a body. But the body is not made out of earth, water, fire, air, or ether. It's not made out of the different elements of matter or even the subtle elements. It's made out of eternity, knowledge, and bliss. But like these paintings, these paintings are windows to the spiritual world and they're the people that are with Krishna or the souls, they have forms, the cows, the trees. Everything is personal. The cowherd boys, the gopas, the gopis, the water, the breeze. These are all <laughs> the seasons even. you know. There's personifications and they take on, not they take on, they are persons that have embodiments, but that embodiment is made out of spiritual energy and it's more conducive for loving exchanges. Very uh, advanced. So sometimes people would ask Prabhupada, so when you go to the spiritual world, you know, how will you uh, relate to Krishna? And then Prabhupada, like I was saying with that example with chanting, Prabhupada said, oh my friend, and then he gave different answers at different times. So he gave many answers to that question. A lot of people ask that question. You know, what goes on exactly in the spiritual world? Prabhupada said, why don't you go there and find out? So he was trying to encourage him, become realized. Right now, to different degrees, it's theoretical knowledge. But we should be anxious. Who am I? And what is my pure relationship, my pure nature with the Supreme and follow the <laughs> the uh, sadhana to get the sadhya, to get the goal, right? So we should be hungry for that, anxious for knowing who we are. And that's the soul. That was just that example of the because there's a glove, that means you know, because there's a hand, then the glove fits, suits the hand. So that was just like a, not such a good example, but an example that 
we're, we have the, the body glove because the soul has a form. Yes, Prabhu? Maybe last thing and then... Uh, the soul is our consciousness, and the consciousness is all through our body. If we pinch ourselves there, we feel it. And it's, who is feeling it? The leg or is, you know, the, the, the soul? Therefore, in a sense, the soul have taken the shape of the body that we all have, because whatever you pinch it, you feel it. She's there. Okay? That's all I just said that. Yeah, consciousness is a symptom of the soul. Wherever there's consciousness, there's the presence of a spiritual, a spark, a spiritual entity. So thank you, everybody. We'll have uh, Kirtan, Artik, in, uh, in five minutes. And uh, then the feast served out downstairs. Yes. And now we'll have some announcements. Thank you, Jai Goranga Prabhu, for uh, uh, a wonderful class on the attitude of uh, gratitude. Uh, you, know, you presented the point so nicely. Thank you very much. Let's give a r- loud round of applause for Jai Goranga Prabhu. <laughs>